Good morning everybody and welcome to our virtual service at St Paul's Baptist Church Skegness this Sunday the 17th of May 2020. Um, a special welcome to um, all the visitors who are listening for the first time and before we start uh, I have to apologise for the microphone that I was using to record the music. Uh, I hope it won't spoil your enjoyment of this service. In the last few days some of the restrictions on our lockdown have begun to ease, but it's still going to be some weeks before we can move it, meet in person. Meanwhile, it's good that we can share our worship and fellowship through the WhatsApp group and through listening to our weekly recordings and, I hope, singing along to the hymns. As most of you will be aware, Raish and Cathy have been in Wales with Cathy's parents. So this morning, I'm going to have the honour of leading this service. Some of us are going to be suffering from the enforced isolation and disruption to our lives and I hope my message this morning will be encouraging and helpful. I'm going to be picking up the themes in this weekend's studies in Word for Today that I know a lot of you, of you are using as your Bible notes uh, because they're very relevant to our situation. In particular, I'm going to be discussing the promised blessing to those who hope in the Lord and what we must do to receive the fullness of his blessing. Our call to worship this morning is therefore Psalm 130 verses 5 to 6. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman wait for the morning, more than the watchman wait for the morning. So let's begin by singing our first song, Lord, I Come to You. Thank you.
Thank you, Audrey, who is now going to continue our worship by reading from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 to 31. That's going to be the subject of my message this morning. Thank you, Audrey. Good morning, everyone. Today's Bible reading is taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, and I'll be reading verses 27 to 31 from the New King James Version. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God? Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen. Thank you. I, I'm really grateful that... Um, Audrey picked that version to read from this morning because it brings out subtle, the different versions bring out subtle meanings in the words. Before I present the message this morning, however, let us pray. Father, thank you that we are able to meet in this way to worship you this morning. Thank you that we are also able to share our prayers during the week and we echo some of them today. Thank you also that there is technology to keep in touch with now distant friends and relatives. For the joy of meeting them on a screen or receiving an unexpected miss you card. We bring before you Lord those who are working during this lockdown, whether at home or in their normal places of work. We remember in particular those such as our health or care workers, some known to us who are in close uh, who are in close contact with others. Please keep them safe. We also pray for those without work or whose jobs and finances are insecure. Please provide opportunities and support for them. Father, we bring before you people who we know are suffering right now. Many known to us are suffering from bereavement, illness, isolation, Please provide healing and comfort. We pray for the young people who will not be reached by the beach team this year or are missing the open the book services. Thank you that you always provide a way to make yourself known to those that you have chosen. Father, we pray for those who you have appointed to lead this country. Please give them wisdom and integrity in their decisions, regardless of their personal ambitions. Finally, Father, we pray for the wider world. We are concerned that so many places lack affordable health support, even if there is material abundance. We ask that there will be cooperation between the nations to develop cures and vaccines that will be available for all. Amen. As I said earlier, and Audrey read, uh, my message this morning concentrates on Isaiah chapter 40. 
Isaiah chapter 40 is one of the most magnificent passages in the Bible. It's the chapter in Isaiah where his message changes from prophecies of destruction to prophecies, prophecies of salvation for the Jewish people and of the coming Messiah. As a result, he is quoted more times in the New Testament than any other prophet. It never ceases to amaze me how the Bible is timeless. Scripture had a meaning for the original hearers, for those who heard Jesus explaining it, and it still has meaning for us today. When we try to apply scripture our, of, to our lives, however, we can be more confident if we first try to understand who the author was talking or writing to and what he wanted them to understand. So, some background to Isaiah's ministry. As many of you will know, following the death of Solomon, Israel split into two kingdoms. Israel, the northern kingdom, and Judah, the southern. After a series of kings, mostly bad, Israel had deserted God and was worshipping idols. For 150 years before the days of Isaiah, the Assyrian Empire had been expanding. As punishment for Israel's desertion, the Lord allowed them to be invaded. Most of the people in Northern Kingdom were exiled. A few years later, the Assyrians invaded Judah, destroyed most of the walled cities and carried off another 200,000 captives. Isaiah was a prophet in Judah, the Southern Kingdom, for 50 years from about 750 to 700 BC. At the time this passage was written, Hezekiah was king. He did worship God, and as a result, Jerusalem itself had been miraculously delivered from an Assyrian siege. Most of the kings that followed him, however, were evil, and Jerusalem was to be destroyed by the Babylonians about a hundred years later. Its people were taken into exile in Babylon, where Nebuchadnezzar was the king. Isaiah's message had two purposes. Yes, it was a message of doom. It was, however, also a message of hope and comfort. Those who were still trying to serve the Lord needed encouragement, comfort and assurance. Not only the Jews in Judah who were still trying to serve God, but those who were already in exile and reading the prophecy later. Audrey read these words in verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God? This wording gives a much stronger impression of entitlement than the wording in the New International Version that we normally use in our church. The people in exile were a mixture. Some remained faithful to God, but many were overwhelmed by their captivity. Some even turned to worshipping the foreign gods. They believed that God had discarded them and wasn't concerned or even aware of them. They were not only impatient, but they didn't trust God. And as Scott reminded us last week with the story of Caleb, when we fail to trust God, we can't receive the blessings he wants to give us. This verse is a rebuke to the complainers who believed that God had forgotten that he, in their view, owed them. But Isaiah makes clear that no problem is hidden from him 
or too big for him to handle. When we read the rest of this chapter, we see that God is not only powerful, but a source of power. To me, two verses stood out when I was preparing this message. There's also a gentleness. Verse 11. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He carries the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. And verse 2. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. Isaiah is talking about the future here, although his prophecies are often presented as if they've already happened. Looking out of the window into my garden as I prepared this message, I watched three fledgling sparrows in a bush. Their father was taking them some of the food that we'd put out to attract the birds, and he was feeding them beak to beak. It reminded me that God knows us individually, loves and provides for us. So what is God saying through Isaiah to us personally, two and a half thousand years later and almost as many miles away? There are many ways that we can be in exile. And the obvious is the exile that we are in now from our work, our friends and our loved ones and our place of worship. We're reminded that we're in exile when we go out for exercise or shopping. People wear masks or they sit behind screens. We pass people who anxiously turn away from us or cross the road to avoid us. Even our friends keep their distance when we chance to meet. For some of us, our family and friends, this means financial problems, concerns about unemployment, relationships, health, the most painful result, however, is that we cannot hug those who desperately need to be gathered in arms close to a heart. Isaiah's words not only remind us of God's love and power, but they assure us that he empowers the powerless. He takes our weariness and replaces it with his strength. And as Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, when I am weak, then I am strong. The weary and powerless have one advantage over those who think they are self-sufficient. They're ready to approach God in the right way, on their knees. Isaiah warns us that however strong we are, we will eventually be exhausted. And we know that even Jesus needed to rest sometimes. Isaiah also tells us that if we hope in the Lord, we will renew our strength. So what is this hope? It's not a desire for something that we want, but are not confident that we will receive. It's the certainty that looks to God for everything we need, knowing that, although we do not always understand his purposes, he will work things out for our good. It means waiting and keeping our faith through adversity. And as Scott showed us last week, Caleb kept his faith for 40 years, waiting to receive the land that he had been promised. This waiting with certainty doesn't mean asking for God for what we want and having to do nothing until he is ready to hand it to us. It's a sincere, steady, obedient dependence on God, trusting him to, to provide what we need when, as Audrey often says, his time is perfect. When we were buying our first house, we didn't have enough for the deposit. So you can imagine how we felt when I won two prizes in a competition that gave us enough for our deposit, 
and two pounds to spare. Waiting on God is a journey that's as important as the, as the destination. And something else that Audrey always reminds me when I'm driving, not to rush. There is scenery to be enjoyed along the way. God wants us to develop a deeper relationship. He wants us to first desire his presence for who he is, not just somebody to hand our problems to. He wants us to listen to him along the journey with him. Only in this way will we learn to see things as he does and be able to discern his will. The time that we spend in prayer and reading our Bibles is vital to appreciating our journey with him. Now I believe that the that the disrupt I believe that the disruption to our lives that we are experiencing is part of God's plan. I also believe that it is a test of his people. We see in our news every day examples of unselfishness as people help their neighbours, or the medical professionals that accept the risk to their own health as they try to heal the most ill. At the same time, we see reckless behaviour from those prepared to put others at risk to pursue their own pleasures. We also see the conflict between businesses that want to restart and their employees that are concerned for their safety. In Jeremiah 29 we're told when Jerusalem was eventually destroyed the exiles were instructed to have full lives, build houses, plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry have sons and daughters. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. God wants his people to enjoy lives rich in quality. He instructs them to pray for the city's prosperity. The prosperity is a blessing from God. It is not something to be demanded by exploiting those who have no alternative to work that is unsafe, stressful and badly paid. Some of us are taking advantage of our restrictions to rest, exercise, spend time in our gardens or complete tasks that have been neglected because we were always too busy before. We might even be taking advantage of some of the many online courses available to learn new skills and discover new interests. Although we cannot be together, we are also growing as a fellowship as we share prayers and songs every day of the week. For many of us, though, our exile is hard. We, or those we love, are facing risks to health, and they are worried about their jobs and their finances and the schooling of their children. God is, however, reminding us through Isaiah that he is in control and that he provides for those who serve him. When we complain and grumble, we are failing to trust him or his promises. It's not, I appreciate, an easy challenge, but whatever our circumstances, trusting him requires that we stop complaining and grumbling and that we are grateful for our personal situations. If we have been blessed with more free time, we can be particularly grateful for the opportunity to spend more time with God free of interruptions. Before we renovate our houses and gardens, let us use this time to examine our lives and ask for his guidance to renovate ourselves. Romans 12:2 tells us, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Let us determine to get rid of any casual, lazy attitude to spiritual matters or a habit that we know is wrong but are unable or unwilling to break. And let us have the faith that whatever happens to our country's economy, God will provide for our needs. Finally, let us consider Isaiah's promise that those who hope in the Lord will soar on wings like eagles. Jesus tells us in Matthew 5:18 that until heaven and earth disappear, not the least stroke of a pen will disappear from the law. Every word in scripture has a purpose and the comparison to an eagle is deliberate. It was widely believed at the time that as an eagle aged, it replaced its feathers and its strength was renewed along with them. But the comparison goes further. An eagle knows when a storm is approaching long before it arrives. It doesn't fly away to seek shelter. It flies higher and it waits for the winds to come. When the storm arrives, it doesn't flap its wings, but spreads them wide so that the winds lift it above the storm. While the storm is raging below, the eagle is soaring above it. It doesn't escape the storm, it uses the storm to lift it higher, rising on the winds. When the storms of life arrive, sickness, failure, tragedy, they don't have to overcome us. God wants us to stop wasting our strength, uselessly flapping our wings, and he wants us to spread them in trust that his power will lift us above the storms. Like the eagle, when we don't fight the winds but allow ourselves to be lifted by them, soaring above the storm is when we are safe. Let us pray. Father, thank you for appointing your prophet Isaiah to record these words that we have read this morning. They bring comfort and hope to us today as they would have done for the original exiles. Father, you know that some of us feel low, isolated, anxious, saddened. Thank you that you are there with us, that you renew us, and that we can always put our hope and trust in you. Amen. We will now sing our closing song, My Life is in You, Lord, followed by the grace.
In case any of you are wondering, the lady showing the joy of soaring in total trust is my mother, who decided at the age of 86 that it wasn't too late to try paragliding. Let us say the grace together. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit keep us now and forever. Amen. Thank you everybody for joining us together in our worship. Thank you Audrey for your reading and playing and support. Please continue our fellowship as we have the customary tea and coffee after our service. Amen. <laughs>